Okay, another episode of Person of Interest with me, Natalie Jones. Hello, how are you guys? Today we're talking about something we've never talked about before. Suicide. Especially teen suicide and teen suicide in gay teens. In fact, LGBTQ are more than four times as likely to attempt suicide than their peers. And in general, suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people ages 10 to 24. And today we're talking about Meryl. Meryl's moms wrote to me, Marsha and Rachel from Owington, Kentucky, and told me about their story, about how they had a daughter named Meryl who took her own life in April 2020 from being bullied for being openly gay. Now, let's be clear here. It's 2022, and we've come a long way, but we still have so much further to go. Marsha and Rachel are mothers of eight kids. They're about to adopt another one. And they are here because they started a foundation in Merrill's name called Do It For Merrill. And they are raising money on a course for change is what their run is called. It's a color run on July 30th, 2022. I will be there. I encourage you to go as well. There is no online registering before. You can pay $10 when you get there. I have all of the links up on the pages that this is associated to. And I'll have it up on our website and up on my website and all the stuff. Okay. But most importantly here, this is still happening very close to home, very close to home. These are two moms who are going to go through their story of finding their daughter and how they're all dealing with it and what they're doing moving forward. They're very courageous. They're very beautiful. We sat together and we cried and we talked and we talked and we talked and we talked. This is just um, a little bit over an hour of our conversation. And what's great about it is in the end, we said our goodbyes And then I kept the mic rolling, and then I feel like we really said what we wanted to say at the end. I'm very proud of this. I'm very proud of Marsha and Rachel. Once again, the Course for Change Color Run is happening on the Owington, Kentucky County Fairgrounds on July 30th, 2022. Please email me at nataliewkrq.com for any more information, and I have all of the links posted. Please enjoy. We skip right to it, as you know we do here. This is Marsha and Rachel. <laughs> and where are you two from, and how did you meet? Oh, um, I um, was living little north of Cincinnati, uh-huh. um, and uh, Rachel lived in Owenton when we met, and we met online. Yep. No way. <laughs> online works? <laughs> it does. It, it does. It was no way. I have been trying. I've been knocking down those those apps. It's <laughs> to no avail. So yeah, throw it out there for some of us. We both kind of did the same thing and like made our distances farther out mm-hmm. because like that way we don't have to deal with anything serious. Uh, uh, because yeah. clearly you live an hour and a half away. You know, it's you see each other every once in a while. And it didn't work. No, didn't work. <laughs> Wow, what a, it didn't you had to so you had to move obviously. Yes, yeah. yes, and Rachel had the house that accommodated our family size. So because you came into the relationship with four kids, four mm-hmm. kids, yep. Wow, and how many did you have? Four. Rachel, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure was it hard to find on apps other mothers of four? Oh, I I wasn't looking for anyone with. <laughs> <laughs> this was not my idea of what I was going into <laughs> at all. <laughs> so now together you have um, eight kids yes. today, mm-hmm. and you're in the process of getting a ninth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and um, and how was life like 
in on your compound in your it's, home. It's 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 loud and busy and busy. I think for people it's really hard because they they come for like supper and stuff and they're just like overwhelmed at the table. Like there's so much like crosstalk between different yeah people and we're used to it. But people get really overwhelmed. I think it'd be so much fun growing up with like eight kids that are all kind of your age. Mm-hmm. Because how old is the youngest and how old is the oldest? Uh, Finley's nine. The oldest is seventeen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, do they have a good time? Like, is, do they break stuff? Do they roughhouse or what? Oh yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Throw each other into walls occasionally yeah. on accident. Um. <laughs> how many cars do you guys have? Um, we have three. No one has a license. Oh, my gosh. No oh, one okay. has a license yet. <laughs> oh, and you want them to. We yes, are begging yes. them. Please, <laughs> someone drive someone else to practice. Wait, they don't want to get their license? Or no, like... I feel it's weird. Like, young people are just like, eh. Yeah. And what? I wait, know. I could not wait to get my license. <laughs> that's what the we say. I could. I was able to. I got it. That's what I'm like. I will take you out of school the day you turn 16. We'll go get your temps. No one's in a rush. Um, yeah. They're like, yeah. yeah. But we're like, please get your license. Everyone's in a sport or some sort of after school activity. Plus, the teenagers are starting to work. So we yeah. have jobs yeah. and. Yeah. No, so, we need them to drive. <laughs> yes. And it's always like spaced out by 30 minutes. So uh. it's just like. Oh, yeah, it's not you convenient know, at forth, all. Back and forth, back and forth, yeah. Like, so it's that random 23 minutes, what to do with yes. it. Yes, yes. Like, should we just sit here? <laughs> <laughs> then you or... try to get an errand in, then it makes you late for the yes, next thing. Yes. Oh, I hate that. Floor yours. I hope you guys um, get a driver here soon. Remember, like, someone of five, and we were, the four of us were in, the older four, I think we were all in high school at the same time, and we just had cars. No one had one that was theirs, and mm-hmm. the... And the keys were always like around, and they were like they were all just cars you that you couldn't really hurt anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. were like, "Have at it," you know, just like come home, please, just make it home safe. Right? Oh yeah, that's definitely the route we're taking. Like, mm-hmm. no one's getting some five thousand dollar car. We're <laughs> no. Oh my god, I, I remember at one point we had like uh, my dad's an old Jeep Cherokee that had the. Uh, like the radio didn't, none of the speakers worked, and the radio didn't work, and like the CD player got stolen out of it, mm-hmm. and so it was just always silent. And, th- and they were like, "That's just how it is. Tough luck. That's great." Like, they were like, "You can't. They don't to tell you." Like, Absolutely no, no distraction. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like portable speakers didn't exist then, and I remember it was always. I'd always be like, "You guys, this is my friend." But when my friends get in the car, I'd be like, "It's gonna be a silent ride." Then they'd get in the car, and the car rattled so much. They were like, well, it's definitely not silent. <laughs> but there's not any music playing. <laughs> um, so we are here today um, to talk about suicide and suicide prevention and LGBTQ. Um, so many things, actually. Yeah. So do you guys mind telling us a little bit about your story and your daughter, Meryl? Sure. Um, oh, there's so much I could Hold I on. Could let's say. start with this. Rachelle, what are you passionate about? Um, I say I've always been, um, very passionate about like mental health mm-hmm. and, um, and particularly, you know, youth mental health and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I really kind of dig deep into like, uh, trauma informed care and, and looking at those things and how can we better things for, for the kiddos and, um, you know, what we learn, and how do we apply it? How do we um, change systems that I that you know I think are are quite broken or outdated? So that's really kind of my my passion in life. And how does that intertwine with um, your now life story? 
It's very, very intertwined. So um, I actually uh, was not in mental health. Um, that wasn't kind of my wheelhouse, you know, when I was, you know, going to college initially and, and, and so on. So my oldest daughter that um, I adopted at birth uh, suffers from some severe mental illness. And that was kind of like the beginnings for me when she was a baby. I was like, I need to find help. And there was, was none out there. Yeah, when she was a baby. By 18 you- months, I was like, hey, something's really? up. Wow. Like yeah. what kind of what kind of? Um, just like were. unconsolable crying, you know, um, that type of, uh, at that time she was 18 months old. Meryl was, uh, a year old and, um, it was just a significant, you could just tell that she was just so like irritable and her reactions to things weren't like appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I had actually called around and they were, you know, looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm they're like the kid's 18 months old they're not even two like you know yeah uh we don't really start evaluating people and our kids until they're like three or four just like okay so um figuring out uh what questions to ask and just to keep asking them mm-hmm. call every day you know, so you get somebody else on the phone. You're taught early to be an advocate <laughs> yeah. for yourself and for your kids, which can be difficult. I feel like sometimes doctors really push back and make you feel stupid. Yes. And then you just believe them. Then you just follow the doctors. And then your gut was right the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like that story's all too similar. Yeah. You know, all too yeah. relatable. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was kind of uh, the early experiences for me. And then I, you know, I'm just like, whatever I can read, whatever I can research, you know, who can I call? What can I do? And like I said, it was really just like calling every day. Hope I get a different person. Maybe I'll get a different answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then learning like what questions do I ask? I started um, going through, that was a big like blogging and, you know, period for, for people and just trying to find other parents and, and read their stories and see what they were doing. Um, to see if I could, you know, learn anything or do anything any different. So that's kind of how I got, you know, involved in mental health. And then I went back to school and got, you know, a bachelor's degree in counseling. And And now you're working on your master's. Yes, now I'm working on my master's. And what is your master's in? Is it counseling? Yeah, clinical mental health counseling. Mm -hmm. Oh, super cool. Yep. Super cool. So, And then, so as you guys went through your lives, at this point, you had two kids? Um. When when your when your oldest was eighteen months, you had uh, yeah, two kids, two mm-hmm. kids. Okay, and then, um, and then when did you acquire your other two? Okay, so um, well, actually, shortly after, when Raylan was around eighteen months, I had had my third. So they're okay. actually like eighteen months span between <laughs> the first three. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Three. Three. Yeah. So I I adopted Raylan. Okay. So while I was in the process of that. Before she was born, I found out I was pregnant. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And so Raylan was born. Six months later, I had Meryl. Okay. And then 11 and a half months later, I had Gwen. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. That In the house. Like <laughs> three under <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have a brother. The Me and my siblings were all with like... Um, within five years of each mm-hmm. other and me and the brother right behind me were 16 months apart mm-hmm. and not even that 12, 13, 14, 14 months apart. Mm-hmm. It was really fun and really crazy. Yeah. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're so then um, just as you went. Have you always lived in Owington? No, I actually grew up in uh, Pendleton County, which is very similar, very like farming rural area. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. And um, and as you were growing up, were you always with? A woman? Were you dating women at the time or married to women at the time? Um, I actually uh, was married to uh, my ex-husband who I met in high school. So we'd been together since we were like 15 years old. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are the vibes still good now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We like grew up together basically. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Christmas morning, it's all of us together. All of us. Oh, that's fantastic. I have like dreams of that happening at some point in life. Oh, that's really cool. Um, Okay, so then you go through life. So then when that divorce happened, Mm -hmm. um, did did things kind of get rough for you in your neighborhood or in your area where you were living? Um, Was the coming out process difficult for you? I don't... I never really had anyone say a word to me about it. Actually, um, they didn't really say in Owenton. Yeah, yeah. No one really said anything at all. Oh well, that's fantastic. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Then and then, so (laughs) when did you meet Marcia? Um, so I had been. I'm trying to think. We were separated for. You want me to answer quicker because I'm great with dates? Yeah, I know. She's better with dates. <laughs> She's like the numbers person. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, did you feel like, this is like kind of off topic, but like, did you guys feel like when you met, like you're finally at a place where you are so solid on who you are and then you meet somebody else and you're like, it's just easy. Yeah. Easier yes. the older you yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the point where, you know, like, okay, I I've know where it, what I need, what I want. I'm messed up enough. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm have yeah. a solid idea of who I am finally. So it, it made things kind of move a little quicker because yeah, you know, you just kind of know when you meet someone and you yeah. got the same vibe and <laughs> was your journey similar to Rachel's? Oh or, no, or, not okay. at all. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I grew up in a little small town, but then I uh, moved to Oxford to go to Miami mm-hmm. and uh, came out I want to say 2021 20, and um yeah when you were that so, age, at age yes okay, yeah. yes oh sorry yeah when I was 20 or 21 <laughs> um and then yeah so I've been with women since then um mm-hmm. and all uh, the children I came into the relationship with my four adopted so mm-hmm. never had a bunch of children um <laughs> four is a bunch for most people, that's a bunch. I mean, that's a lot. You you adopted a whole family, and did, yes, yeah. Um, were you with a partner at the time, or um, were you? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it seems that there is a lot of co-parenting going on here. Yes. And a so lot of holidays are crazy. Yeah. yeah. You guys keep it all straight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Even like you know, my oldest, her her biological mom, just bring bring them all in. Let's go. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So birthday parties are are fun. We have They're everyone together. It's and everyone just like chills you are the modern american right and that's that's it like we look at each other like it it is i'm like this is what real life is is. you know yes (laughs) oh fantastic yeah Yeah. oh it's so cool so then so meryl your daughter you share with your ex-husband yes he was so good along with Mm -hmm. and then um she came out when she was 15 
14? Um, no, she actually came no, out. No, way earlier than that. Yeah, okay, she was yeah. Um, like in the middle of fifth and sixth, like right there in that little. Yeah, she was just very blatant like one day sitting at the table mm-hmm. like, so mom, I'm gay. Okay. Were <laughs> you, you kind of like, I, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that she was still learning the language, too. She's just trying to figure it all out. Like, where do I fit in? You know, what kind of, you know, what would they call a person if they felt this way or, you know, this way? And so that was a journey, too, because, you know, she was, like I said, just kind of learning the language at the time. But she was always, um, like, when she was really little, um, she, you know, it was like basketball shorts and a gaming T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And um, she had struggled to, like, play social games with her sisters. Um, she was very much like, they're like, you know, I'm going to be, um, like, the mom. And, and you're going to be, like, my friend. And we're going to talk. And Meryl was like, where's Spider-Man come into this equation? Because, like, <laughs> you know, he just wants to come, like, crash the castle or something. And they're like, no. That's not how this works. So she was very much, you know, that was her, like, how she played. And and she befriended a lot of um, boys. And so when she was younger, about the age of five or six, I think when children are, like, figuring out um, gender and they start to kind of separate themselves a bit Mm -hmm. um especially like in in school and stuff so she had always been friends with with boys and uh I had actually went into have a like a parent teacher conference and the teacher's like I'm really worried about her I'm like what because she's never she's like the sweetest never been a problem (laughs) behaviorally anything and she's like I'm worried about her because she is struggling with um especially lunch she said because she wants to sit at the boys table and they're like you're a girl go sit at the girls table and she's like no and um she said so every day she just keeps on she won't quit like she will persist and sit Mm -hmm. and then um so I mean I went out like in tears because she's the sweetest she was just the sweetest soul ever Mm -hmm. and um the teacher ended up talking to the class about being a good friend right and how to be like inclusive with each other and um, and it alleviated a lot for her. And she said, yeah, she was like, she sits at the boys' table every day. And they just kind of like, she won them over. Eventually, she, okay. she you know what I mean? <laughs> Were they nice like, to her about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and she, she was, was just, she was persistent. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's pretty cool that at that age, she was like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm me. I am. That's pretty cool. I yeah. feel like the journey to saying I'm me and finding out who you are, some people never achieve. Yes. Or it comes Absolutely. a lot later in life. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. What a great, great yeah. girl. Um, yeah. Super young. Was the rest of her, so as she continued through middle school and high school, um, when did it get tough for her? Was it? Um, so it was always, you know, I think coming out and talking about sexuality for her you know being where we are that's middle school age because middle school's fifth sixth seventh and eighth so that was hard um and she definitely got a lot of um, pushback from people got made fun of quite a bit um but for me I was like she is just amazing like her Mm self-confidence like I say and just knowing who she was yeah was like 
breathtaking to me because I'm like, man, I'm like old and I'm still like struggling over here yeah. in the corner. <laughs> and, um, but I think she never like stopped trying to talk about stuff and make it a conversation. Um, one of my favorite stories actually, and this ha- was told to me after she had passed, uh, a teacher had said that um, they had like uh, after school activity and uh, Meryl had said, you know, I'm pansexual. Do you, you know, do you know what that means? And the teacher's like, nope, never heard that term in my life, basically. Yeah. And um, she's like, well, and she said she sat there and thought about it for a while. And she's like, what it is, is basically um, I will love and honor anyone who is able to love and honor me. Did you teach her that? And I was like, oh, whoa. Right? Oh, I was my like, gosh. I was like. The soul of right? this young Maya oh. Angelou. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was in eighth grade. That was in the eighth grade? Yes. She told her teacher that. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like. Oh. And so. Whoa. Yeah. And I think that things got harder for her in eighth and ninth grade because in eighth and ninth grade like I say she was always having the conversations and talking and she was very outspoken especially for those who were not able to Mm -hmm. speak as openly or as loud right um and she started the conversation about gender and I think that when that happened it I mean it brought out a lot of so were there other kids struggling in school that she was defending? Mm-hmm. Or st- okay. Yeah. And were, were kids getting bullied? Yeah. A yeah. lot. Was she mm-hmm. getting bullied? Yeah. So we're all getting... Yeah. On a daily basis. Yeah, on a daily really? basis. Yeah. Do you mind, like, what kind of things were being done or said? Um, she, a lot of, um, you know, she to, you know she thinks there's, like, 48 genders and she can't figure out which one she is or... Um, like a lot of people would post her picture on like on social media or like Snapchat or any kind of social media stuff and, and write those types of things. And Dear Lord. Um, I know that again, like after the fact, like looking through her phone and stuff, Meryl didn't want to make people have to worry about her. And that was kind of her, you know, I don't want to be a burden. You don't have to worry about me. I'm fine. Um, I don't want you to have to worry so much and, and have one more thing, you know. And, um, like, looking through her phone, there's people just, like, you know, basically go kill yourself. You know, and it wasn't Kids just one. It was multiple. It and, um, you know, they're not, don't know who they are because it's, you know, like Wait, s- Snapchat. Like, not- they're not, like, it's like, yeah. Those two, like I don't know who like, these people, people are. Like, online avatars, and so you never really found out if they were local and kids or they could have been. I didn't pursue it. I was just like, I don't. Yeah, you know I mean, I know yeah. there's apps where people can comment and remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure it's meant to be positive and yeah. you know, oh look how beautiful this person is or whatever. But yeah, um, people don't use it that way. So she would get lots of messages of hate through. Was she vocal about it to you guys into school? Like, what was going on in this way? Um, she was vocal um, for for years. And then I think through some things that happened and how, like, for her, the way the school handled things, I think she kind of was just like, yeah, this isn't really... It's just easier to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. 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 That's so sad. Um, 
as she went through school, I mean, you can tell, obviously, she was born to be, um, like, the advocate that she was. Mm-hmm. And as she got older, so then tell us about what was happening um, when COVID happened and during that time, like, around, like, fall of 2019 mm-hmm. and 2020, right? Um, so she, again, like, the uh, – she was having a really hard time with talking about – gender and trying to get people to understand like non-binary the concept of a you know non-binary system which is difficult for i feel like most people to understand Mm -hmm. and in a community where people aren't accepting as it as it was Mm -hmm. it was it kind of like people just didn't even people she was surrounded by just didn't want to know or they didn't try to learn I don't think that people, like, if they don't understand it, then they kind of fear it, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think she had a lot of, of that. Yeah. Was it difficult for you guys to have that that initial conversation with her? or? I think, for me, and so I came into the picture when Meryl was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, unfortunately, a lot of the conversation was, you know, Meryl, it doesn't have to be hard. Look, you can have a great life. And um, unfortunately, like, not really seeing that, you know, when you are trying to be vocal and you're trying to speak out for others, it is hard. And it puts a target on you. Mm -hmm. And um, I know she came up to me, or she came out one time and made a comment about, you know how society wants her to wear dresses and i'm like meryl i've never wore a dress a day in my life it's fine um just not really understanding the amount of hate and pushback she was getting well to think that you can live in a world and just be free and be yourself and then be punished for it no matter what yeah you know i'm sure she didn't think she was say anything to i mean she was just being herself exactly she was just being herself yeah and i mean she was amazing and she did have like this great tight friend group that absolutely adored her and um just saw her for how incredible she she is and um so that she that's where covid really yeah hit her is once um we were schooling at home she no longer had that daily interaction she was getting you know phone interaction with them but it wasn't the seeing them in person and being able to hug them and um she really needed that yeah yeah and so covid happens and she's home alone or obviously not alone yeah Um, were you guys working from home during that time as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. And trying to homeschool-ish <laughs> all these kids. Because they didn't have e-learning yet out there. Okay. So they were like packets. Everybody had <laughs> folders of packets. <laughs> okay. I'm we're all doing lie. it paper and pencil. If I was y'all or if I was the one with the time, I think I would just be like, I mean, try your best. We're just going to call this year a wash. Right? I don't know. When it was you know? math, I was like, go see Meryl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go talk to her. She'll oh, was teach she you math how to. Whiz? She was math and music, math and music. Really? Mm-hmm. Did she play any instruments? Oh, yeah, yeah. So she um, 
played in the marching band. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yes, that's right. The, she played, she the, played the trumpet. Yeah. yeah, so she played the trumpet in the marching band. She taught herself how to play the guitar, uh, the piano, and uh, ukulele. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is she always playing music? Yeah. Always. Always, always uh, recording herself, making up little songs, yeah. little mm-hmm. goofy songs to make everyone laugh. Um, I, those right there, like, live on. Yes. Did yes. she like throw concerts in your house? Um, no, she was very like just you just always in the background. You could always yes. hear fiddling with with the keyboard or or whatever. You know, she was never like everyone get together and you know do this and look at me, look at me. Yeah, it wasn't like that at all. Oh. How what, what was she like as a kid? What was she like? Um, oh goodness, she was um, very chill. Mm-hmm. very chill kid yeah so and it was like from birth she was like the chillest kid like you know she would get done eating or drinking a bottle and then like hold it up in the sun and like twirl it and just watch it and i'm like what is <laughs> wow. going on you know wow and she would just sit there she would just sit and soak it all in like yeah and i'm like Wow. What an inquisitive young lady <laughs> right? from literally oh. the get-go. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's when um, when I met her, it was, you know, science toys and, uh, yeah. you know, kinetic things and just mm-hmm. anything like that. And then um, the goofy jokes. Um, oh, yeah. Driest humor So ever. smart. It sounds like she was too smart. Yeah. Oh, she so absolutely. Smart. Yeah. She was the one that um, she would talk and all the other kids would what 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 does that mean mom what's she saying what <laughs> what she call me like, <laughs> you do not know that was an insult do you yeah yeah oh man yeah. so when she was she like playing in the dirt when she was younger no she would cry if she got dirty <laughs> yeah like if food got on like she wanted her hands clean like all the time she was yeah. like you know no she would cry I have a picture like of the of um her, Raylan, and Gwen, and it's like this, you can see they were playing in like um, mud mm-hmm. and they had their little bathing suits on and Gwen is covered from like head to toe, like mud dripping off of her. You can barely like see her eyes. Raylan has mud like on her hands, you know, her arms. Meryl has, and they're all like, yay! Yeah. And Meryl has a dot on her and she's like crying. <laughs> I'm like, this is it right here. This is perfect. <laughs> This is exactly very descriptive of, of, of it. Yeah. So you say she was an easy kid then? An oh, easy yeah. An enjoyable kid? Yep. Yep. Super, like, excited about everything. Very really? laughy. Yeah, just, you know, upbeat, optimistic, a, a huge, like, feelings kid, though. You know, I think that was the difficult. If, if, she, if you had to say something was difficult parenting Meryl, that yeah. was it was getting her not to feel everything. everything. Was she a cancer? When's her birthday? Uh, March 23rd. I don't know what that means. What does that make her then? A Gemini? Yeah. Gemini. <laughs> um, so very, very deep thinker. Yeah. Deep, deep thought thinker. I mean, I think that's why she was an advocate for everybody else. Maybe she understood way more than yes. everybody else. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when people are trying to grapple, like, um, sexuality and and you know in general she's like trying to explain to people how gender and sexuality aren't meshed together yeah. like 
one is not a predictor of the other. To conceptualize that so young, mm-hmm. very, I mean, very impressive. I think just the, she, I once heard that weak minds talk about people and strong minds talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. She was obviously an ideas gal. Yes. Through oh, and yeah. through and through. Mm-hmm. Did she ever talk about, out of curiosity, ever talk about wanting to go into like politics or motivational speaking or do like protesting or social organizing of anything? No, no. She, um, I'm trying to think. I think she struggled with the fact that she couldn't nail something down. Yes, very much. She was just, just, she, I think it bothered her that she didn't have like a direct idea of what she wanted to do. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, well, you come by that honest. I get it. Like, I'm totally like, you know, jack of all trades. It's fine, you know. Again, I feel like I think Meryl probably heard from me way too much. It's fine. It's fine. You don't have to worry. She was a worrier also. So, you know. You know the answer. That's you don't have to know brain. the answer right now. <laughs> X, Y, Z equals yes. C. How come C is not in mm-hmm. real life? It's mm-hmm. not a math mm-hmm. equation. Mm-hmm. I do this. How come this reward system is not happening? Yeah. So when things got bad in COVID, did mm-hmm. you guys did you did you notice things were in a rough spot? Um, she had she'd been struggling a great deal um, with just um, depression, anxiety, uh, and she was open about that. And she part. was yeah, she was very open about that part. And we had a lot of discussions around like you know how you feel, be very open and honest. Um, and I think. When COVID happened, our, let's see, the lockdown for, well, shutdown from school was mid-March. Her birthday was March 23rd, and I knew it broke her heart. Like, she wanted people to come over, and I was like, Meryl, I can't, I can't. You can't have people, like, she's like, I just want to see them. And I'm like, I know. Um, And I think that during that time, she struggled a great deal with wanting to see them, um, again, you know, afterward finding a video that, that she had made, she like played the ukulele and said, you know, here's my Ted talk with the ukulele in the background. So, you know, and talking just a message to her friends, yeah. you know, about how hard it is. Was she within her friend group at school? Was she kind of the leader of the group? Um, no, I, I, they are, uh, so she had a lot of like marching band friends and, mm-hmm. and band friends and they say they're just such a family group of kids you know not really a leader necessarily they're just like you know she was like hilarious yeah (laughs) you know just you know very like physical comedy funny and and doing crazy stuff and you know always something weird living loud and proud and the protector she was the protector of the group she was i don't want anyone to to speak poorly of my friends i don't want them to hurt yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think that was her with every everyone yeah. You know. Yeah. Deep heart. Mm-hmm. Was she a good student? Yeah. Yeah. She was always a good student. Yep. No issues with, like I say, she's like the go-to math person in the house. Like, I can't teach this math. Yeah. I don't know this math. Um, <laughs> I work in human services for a reason. I don't do math. <laughs> so, so she you know. seems like very generous, very kind. Yeah. Uh, very forthright. Mm-hmm. Very out there. Like, she didn't hold anything back. There weren't any secrets. Mm-hmm. She wasn't no. walking around with anything no. hidden in her brain. You know? No, she no. was she was pretty 
open for the most part and very outspoken. Uh, first day of eighth grade, she wore to school a, a pride equality shirt. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which was just fantastic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, she wanted to be sure walking into that year, her, her role was clear in what her mission was. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. I think just as much as, well, let's see, America has come really far, but not at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember wearing rainbow in eighth grade and everyone made fun of me for it. And just because just a shirt that had rainbows on it, I just mm-hmm. liked rainbows and everyone <laughs> got it from the limited two. It was like my one nice shirt. I was like, this is my like fancy shirt, you know, <laughs> it had a rainbow on it. And, like I made fun of for it so much and I wasn't trying to make a stance or anything yeah i was just wearing a shirt (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know so i guess well no have we come far because that is still happening right Mm -hmm. obviously so in co so then things in covid was tell us more about what was going on um i think for her uh i know that after school was um closed that you know, she didn't have that social connection with people, like the face-to-face hugging interaction. Um, and, the, you know, some of her friends didn't have social media. They didn't have ways to get a hold of her, right? Um, but the other pieces, like social media never stops, yeah. right? It's always there. And so people were still saying stuff and, and posting stuff and making fun of her and, you know. Making fun of her. And once again, are these anonymous people? Mm-hmm. And making fun of her just for what she was doing, just like everything yeah, like she yeah. would post, yeah. just tearing just, it down. Yeah, and it you wasn't know. even things she would post. It just they would just post a picture of her and yeah. write on it, and you know, oh my yeah. god, and yeah. uh, and then she doesn't have that daily interaction with her friends to help counter that and to hug her and tell her it's okay from you know her yeah. peers that that she respects and loves and um so it's you know attacks 24 hours a day it's you put your phone down and you wake up and there it is mm-hmm. and what apps were these um i mean she had the one anonymous one um the, well, i think that was some type of thing that snapchat had in it okay. like you only live once oh yeah yolo yeah i don't know where you had like this <laughs> where you could post stuff and then people could comment on it like anonymously yeah. Um, which, you know, for her uh, sister, like, worked great because it's like, look at this dance. Look at this new makeup. Look at this. And they're like, oh, that's beautiful. And, you know, Meryl didn't get that kind of um, response. So yeah. Meryl's you know. posting videos saying, hey, you, you're beautiful how you are and, and you're loved and um, just was met with, you know, attacks. And uh, honestly still is. Um, yeah. Still to this day, say, um, her say siblings was... are getting messages and people are posting about her. Yeah. Yeah. That is so tragic. It is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so her siblings are still getting messages mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And how are they dealing with that? And how, and how do you guys deal with that? Um, it's hard. It is so hard. It's hard as a parent to keep composure sometimes. I am... Not much really strikes me like speechless. Uh-huh. Um, there are some things that have been said that I can't even like fathom why someone would say that. Um, you know, 
on top of saying it to this person's sibling, you know, I can't imagine it. And trying to maintain composure and talk to them to try to, you know, you know, that's not true. And, um, you know, who Meryl was. And, you know, we can talk to the school. We can do all those, like, regular routes to things if they have any control over, you know, what's going on. Um, But it's just heartbreaking, honestly. Is there people who know the situation? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And know Meryl's fate in the family situation and are still making horrific comments? Yes. 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 Anonymously. Oh, no. There's some that say it very... To your face, like and yeah. these are people in your community. Yes, yes, students, yeah. ad- mm-hmm. adults, students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of action? What kind of? What do you even do in that situation? Unfortunately, I mean, to hug our kids mm-hmm. is um, like. Does it make you want to um, like go to the child's parents or go talk to administration? Um, so we've talked to we have. Um, some wonderful uh, people in administration that, you know, are doing the best that they can. Um, you know, I, I, I understand you can't control what people say a lot of times, and, and they're going to get by and, and do it no matter what. Um, and then, I mean, what can you do? Yeah. And so for us, it's kind of like, okay, what can we teach the kids to do? You know, I can't really control what these other kids are doing but I can try to teach our kids how to deal with something that's unimaginable honestly yeah. Yeah. and it's I mean what's needed from them like hey don't you know respond with anger because yeah, that's what they that's, want they're trying yeah. to get a rise out of you that's hard and yeah. it's hard when it makes me angry yeah. it's hard to say you know but don't be angry about it um I'm thinking, um, do you have teenage boys? How many of your kids? We have two teenage boys. Um, Does that raise aggression in them? or I mean, within the females as well. But I remember, like, my brothers beat up people for me back Mm -hmm. in the day. (laughs) I think that they usually target, like, the girls because they're trying to get a rise, like, emotionally. Um, Are boys in general are a little more chill chill and handle things? Like, they easily brush things off where our girls don't. So, well, the strength in all of the factors in these things that you guys are dealing with seemingly so well. I applaud you. Thank I you. I cannot even imagine. Um, the, the journey you guys have been on the past two years. Yeah. So things got to a point with Meryl mm-hmm. to where, can you tell us what happened? Um... As much as you feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, the week prior, it was very odd. She didn't do a whole bunch of her schoolwork. I got on her about it. And she, you know, was kind of annoyed at me, but ended up uh, finishing it. And um, we had a really... You know, the day of, we had a really good, she seemed to be better and doing well. Like, oh, yeah, I got my stuff done. I'm not, like, bogged down by being behind in my schoolwork and all of that. Um, and she seemed to be doing really well that day. Got her up, said, hey, I'm going to go to get a click list at Kroger. 
you know, you can ride in the car with me. We can hang out and just listen to music. Um, and uh, our son went with us, and so it's just us three, and I can hear them watching something ridiculous, some cartoon character ridiculous thing, and there she's just like busting out laughing, and um, and so we pick up Kroger, we get Taco Bell. It's like count yourself lucky because I mean, that's <laughs> not my thing, and and they're just like woo, and um, so just driving home, I remember like pulling out of the restaurant and. I looked back at her and I I wish I wasn't driving and I it's like such a concrete like memory for me I looked back in the rearview mirror and she had her hat on backwards and her hair was just like flipped out like on one side and it was like blowing in the wind and I was just like struck by how she looked in that one moment I was like you're like so freaking beautiful like you're such a beautiful human being and um, so, you know, we drove home, we had cheeseburgers and watched TV. And, you know, I was talking to her about like stuff I was reading on my phone, these stories. And she's like, wow. And she just was on the couch. We watched TV and, you know, get ready for bed. She went down like a little bit early. Um, and then when we were getting ready to go to bed, I like text her. I was like, love you. She's like, I love you too, mom. And um, we went to bed, and next morning got up. I do my same routine, make coffee, sit in the same chair in the kitchen, drink my coffee, read. And um, we get everybody up at, like, 10 for breakfast. They shouldn't come up. Yeah. So, um, Marsha actually is the one who found her. Um, I don't know. It's it's a un. It's something you really can't describe to someone. Um, I uh, I remember it, and then I kind of don't. It's a weird thing, but um, I I think it's almost like tunnel vision in a way. Like I knew there was tons of people around me. Um, you know, EMS and you know, police and, you know, I'm, I, I know at one point I'm just, all I remember is like being on the floor, um, and just not being able to like, just focus. Um, I think that, um, I don't know that it's, I remember just screaming until I couldn't scream anymore. And that's something that's not me. I'm a very like, <sighs> control, emotionally controlled person. And um, there's something, like, so primal in you. Um, And not all the kids were home. Um, Some of the uh, girls were with their dad. Um, So, you know, getting everybody to the house. And um, I don't know. It was awful. I felt horrible for all of them. Um, And I know that for myself, um, again, it's COVID. No one's supposed to go to anybody else's house. We actually had the max number of people allowed in the household. 
Um, and, uh, I called my sister and my mom had been staying with my sister since, uh, lockdown. Um, she was elderly and, um, my sister brought him my mom and my mom's like, you know, five, two, five, one. And, um, my brother was, uh, killed in action in desert storm. And so my mom had buried a kid and I couldn't even imagine it when I had kids. It like hit me like all of a sudden and my mom like walking through that door and just eye locking me. And she's just like, I never want this for you. And, um, she like just held all of me like up. Here's this, you know, 79 year old woman that's five one holding all of me up and um just that horrible tragic connection that I got with my mother um again you know with any kind of like death I think that we struggle with all of that big decision making right you know like what do we do you know when unexpected you know someone dies unexpectedly and here we are in a pandemic and the kids like what's good for the kids what's not good for the kids um what you know what do we do next and so I wanted there's something about like being a a mom and I immediately like I just wanted to go to her room um Marsha did not allow that to happen um, she made sure that I stayed upstairs and, um, I talked to the coroner and, um, you know, he, he was like, I will, I would let you, but I think you should just wait. So, um, just, you know, give us a few hours and, and you can come. I said, okay. Um, and that's kind of, you know, in that time period, trying to wrap your brain around what's going on and what just happened and then trying to make decisions about, you know, again, like I said, what's going to be good for the kids and, um, you know, seeing her, you know, knowing that we're not going to have a funeral. Um, didn't have them during that time. They weren't having them. Um, but we, you know, were able to go as a family, and they allowed us to kind of do it in shifts again because we weren't allowed to be together that many. So the funeral home kind of let us go in there in shifts and and see her. Um, yeah, this was April 2020, so right in the thick of everything. Yeah. Um. And. You know, that in itself, those circumstances on top of everything, um, suicide's a horrible thing to try to heal from. Um, And then you have, like, these traditional expected things that kind of come into play when someone passes away. And um, the pandemic kind of stops that from from happening you know you lose a child the community kind of you know 
surrounds the family and you know there was there was that people did do that but it was very 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 difficult and not to you know what the normal extent would be and I think that you know I would have wanted for the kids to be able to hug their friends you know like have someone just hold them were any Muriel's friends able to come to the funeral home in chance um no no they um like we were able to to see her and that was pretty much it and it was just like immediate family only and then we ended up some wonderful people in in the community had pulled out like a a, a trailer it's like some type of i don't know yeah, just a little box trailer like a, yeah like a box trailer they pulled it out in like in our front yard and um we got stuff to decorate the inside of it we had like glow sticks and um these little like white bags and markers or whatever so people could come write their message or write what they wanted and put glow they put like glow sticks in it it was like a luminary type thing and um so people were able to kind of come and walk through that you know social distance but you know take their time and and kind of be able to process some stuff or leave stuff or just make a note um and then later on in july of that year we ended up having like a celebration outside for her yeah one day at a time you know when people ask you about it now what is the first thing that comes to your head um It's interesting. I, for people that didn't know her, um, and then, you know, for people that do, I think for me, my biggest thing is I, I don't want her memory to be focused on how she left because it wasn't anything about her story, really, you know, um, and I think that's really a big piece for me. Um, I never felt that that was the story that she had to offer and, and tell um, was how that, you know, she would tragically leave. But, you know, you say, you know, what what comes next or what happens next? I think that for me, I... You know, I think I immediately, that day, as soon as I could, like, was just sat in her room and, like, soaked it all in, every bit of it, Um, because I just needed to, like, feel her. And I think, you know, I still do that to this day. Um, I'm always, like, you know, I go into her room and... I keep the door shut because um, I'm like, I can still smell her, like her, you know, her, her scent. And like, I always keep it pretty, like, keep the door shut, stay out of it. It's it's nice just to go in there and just breathe. And um, I don't know, I just, 
think I share one of the beautiful things is just sharing her story and um, pictures and her videos and, you know, and actually a lot of, I've learned more about her from like stories from her friends and, and stuff too. And, you know, every once in a while someone will post a video as some like a picture I've never seen or a video I've never seen. It's like yeah. a, the biggest present yeah. ever, you know? So that's always for other parents who have experienced something similar or you know have children struggling with mental illness mm-hmm. was there anything happening before that made you think that this was did you ever think that this would be an option or that this would happen or that she was going down that road um she had uh struggled with like feelings of like uh she was she did like self-harm um she had you know like as far as like cutting and and things like that and again very open we had very like honest talks about you know safety measures things you could do besides that if you have those urges or feelings um and she did and she definitely practiced and did whatever I suggested or asked her to do um and being open and honest about you know having feelings like you know, I, I'm overwhelmed and I just want things to stop. Um, and we've had those talks. And um, like I said, that was hadn't been the case. Um, yeah. You know, there had been times in the past where we've had, you know, safety talks and, and doing those things. But And I know that COVID was putting some extra stuff on her. But I was totally blindsided wasn't something at that time that I thought were worried about and it came on the heels of such an incredible day yeah. Yeah. um which I know it's just like she had so much fun she was laughing with her brother a lot and hanging out watching a movie which is hard for us to get teens to do mm-hmm. and smiling and posted a picture of herself that day um you know saying how great she feels so it just you know you kind of go to bed and breathe a sigh of relief because it's like okay it was a good day you know she yeah. felt good today she so it just you know you think you kind of like all right you know and we'll get up and we're going to try and do that again tomorrow and uh so I think it just came out of nowhere in, in that aspect. Have any other pieces to the puzzle come to fruition since post? Um, like I say, you know, after she had passed, just going through her phone and, yeah. and seeing, you know, that there had been a lot said to her, you know, yeah. over the weeks. The um, extent was more than what I had really understood. Like, again, she wasn't going to tell me. I want you to worry about me, mom. And um, so that, and like I say, it's not, I don't ever think that with suicide, it's like, oh, it's that one thing. I think it's always like this perfect storm of lots of things, you know, Um, for her. So like I said, no, not, you know, I think that there's always going to be pieces to the puzzle 
Um, I know that she left a, um, she did make like a video on her phone. So, I mean, saying goodbye. Just kind of like what was going through her head. Yeah, she was just tired. Yeah, it was really calm and not emotional, and it was okay. I'm I'm done now. I'm tired. No tears. Did you? Was that a sign of relief for you? How How did that make you? How did that? Um. I don't think it makes it any better or any worse. I think you'll always like ask questions, um, you know, or sit there and like, what could I have seen or what I could have done or why didn't you just walk up the stairs and knock on my door? You know, how did the healing process begin? I can imagine um, that you would go parade yourself and your mind would go in a thousand different places for a really long time. Mm hmm. How did you guys, or how are you, but how did you begin navigating? I think um, what I see in our household is everyone is a little more outspoken Mm -hmm. about uh, not only, you know, acceptance, and I think everyone honestly takes a little more of Meryl's role like it kind of got divided between us um some of her sisters that were before like hey quiet down you know they're now standing up for people even even like faculty that have had negative things to say about children they're coming home saying we need to do something about this and um I know I definitely have that feeling that I need to do more because how how can I not be as brave as a 15-year-old? Yeah. And um, then just what I see with Rachelle is she has really just tried to carry on Meryl's wishes and start a gay-straight alliance at the school and, you know, that hasn't happened, but she's, you know, active in the community and um, helped these kids form a group and has really been a support for all of Meryl's friends. And But just trying to get the message out there of, you know, you have to love and you have to accept because this is what happens when you don't. This to me is, um, seems weighted on many levels, sticking up for LGBTQ rights and children's rights and human's rights and also suicide and suicide prevention. It seems it's a lot. Yeah. Have you met other parents along the way who have similar stories that you can really relate to? Um, actually, after she had passed, I was... um given the name of uh, a group called Light After Loss, which is a suicide survivor support group. Um, It's actually out of Ohio. And um, just being able to talk to them, um, and they kind of pair you with like a a morning mentor. 
so someone with a, a similar type of story. Um, so meeting parents who um, have lost their children that way. Um, again, there's just something very like healing about being in the company of someone um, who's had that experience. Um, so that is was, I think, helpful for me. I think as far as um, the healing process goes, with uh, suicide loss, I think the first year is kind of numb and you just yeah. are on autopilot. And so you don't, I think your your brain's just like in survival mode and you're not really processing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know like in groups with families, you know, they really have specific for like two years and under um, because you're navigating the new you're like whole new life basically um and they always you know year two is worse and I'm like how how could it be any worse and they're like well you just kind of quit being numb mm. and so you know I think and there's truth to that I think that you know getting through year two which we you know have just done so does it make everything difficult just little nuances because you guys also you lost Meryl and you also have seven other kids to provide for mm-hmm. so at things the same like time. prom yeah um graduation yeah yeah all kind of you know celebrating the other kids but also knowing that we're not celebrating Meryl's first prom or mm-hmm. um just all the stuff like camping the kids camping in the backyard and uh just all those little things that it's you know painfully aware that she's not you know they're enjoying it with us yeah I know the kids talk a lot about like every vacation we've been on or whatever trip or they're like you know it's fun and it's awesome but we can't help not being like she'd love this with everything you know and I do that I think I catch myself and and try to teach myself not to approach things that way um you know I'm you know every sunset every yeah like it's one more you know one more than which I've seen many grief is so difficult in so many different ways I feel like everyone deals with it it's so individual right yes I think I can imagine it's so hard for you guys not to berate yourself on like on how to do the right thing for everybody at every moment of every day. Yeah, I think, and there's so many. So like our first Christmas, you know, trying to figure that out, right? So you know what everyone grieves differently, and what does everyone want in the house? You know, it, what's going to be like a no go for you? Do and, we hang up a stocking? Do we not hang up a stocking? And we have the 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 task too of helping the kids understand that not everyone grieves the same yeah and I think that's an added challenge because you know one's upset that the other isn't more upset at this moment and you know it's it's always a balance and we are learning as we go every 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 moment (laughs) every breath Mm -hmm. um 
the kids in general, though, the way you guys have talked about it, it seems like is everyone getting through? I'd say the first year was very rough, very rough. Um, some um, maneuvered things better than others, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think that overall now, I don't. I think that everyone's doing pretty well and, and having the ability to, you know, her name gets said every day in that house. So, you know, laughing about something or talking about some story and there's a lot more laughter yeah. now. Have you experienced any backlash since um, since last April, like since all of this that let's see, like difficult backlash and where people didn't agree with how you are going. Let me try to phrase this correctly. Am I making sense? I think like what we have seen in the community is um, more of just a backlash in general of acceptance and people trying to quiet voices and, um, For example, um, people in the community were upset at a book that had a transgender character that was being taught in the school. So um, not about Meryl in general or about what we've been doing in the community, but surrounding it we have. Do you feel... Because I know you guys are still, I mean, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. You guys are really fighting the fight. I commend you for it, really, truly. I think what you're doing, and I'm so sorry you've had to experience what you've had to experience. And you are making a positive impact for so many other people along the way. I mean, just even me here today, uh, listening and learning about this is out of control and so saddening. But I do believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And... Um, so this has motivated you guys to start do it for Meryl mm-hmm. and tell us about your, your role in the community, because I'm just going to put it blankly the way that I understand it and how it's been told to me is that your community was not really supportive and continue to not really, really be supportive. Maybe not necessarily with your family, but with everything that Meryl stood for in general and they tend to trend towards the side of America that is trying to say, don't ask, don't tell. You can't be gay anymore. There's so much of that is happening right now, and it's really, really wrong. I, I'm just going to say it's wrong. And you guys live in a community that kind of that overarchingly is trending that way. How does that make it more difficult for you? Um, just getting support. Like, um, yeah. you know, talking about, starting a gay straight alliance in the school and the teachers that are supportive of it unfortunately aren't able to step forward because of the politics around it and because of the you know standing in the community and the backlash they'll receive um that is so fucked up mm-hmm. yeah that is so fucked up it's um and there is a large community in the school and and kids that want this and an adult isn't able to step forward. Um, so. And it's a really very valid, real thing. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, there are teachers and 
Kentucky that have lost their jobs this year for being yeah outspoken uh, outspoken for... or even just generally affirming people. Yeah, I mean this is some I. Uh, this is a like a national issue, mm-hmm. a worldwide yeah. issue, really. Yes. And so, does this make you really angry? Yes. This year has been very difficult yes. for me. How so? With with all of it, I think like reading the news and and just kind of I taking all this in, and it's just it's overwhelming, and um, it's like you know. How am I going to make the, a change? I feel like we're going a hundred miles an hour backwards. Yeah. How are we going to be able to, you know, one foot after the other? When I feel like this, as a nation, we are, you know. And then on top of that, like I know the outcome. You know that. I mean, the Trevor Project, and you know the. Uh, all these crisis lines, you know, reporting this huge uptick in calls, you know, in these places. I was like, you know, more children are going to die. This is the result of, you know, these things. We know that. We know it. I was thinking, I was talking to a friend about this recently, and I I was saying I feel like we're going through in real time a... um, We're playing with fire here. Not playing with fire, but we're going through a murky time, and we are all learning literally in real time with people's lives and people's I mean livelihoods and kids going through this creating a new normal Mm -hmm. but it's like literally war Mm -hmm. there are like situations like Merrill's that are happening that is just so wrong and is this what has to happen in order to make change does this continue is this what's going to have to happen they're going to be more people like Merrill and then even in a community that doesn't maybe even support still so why did you guys, so tell us more about uh, Do It For Meryl, because you've turned this into a tragedy into something really beautiful. Um, so, you know, developing uh, Do It For Meryl as a nonprofit, just with the goal of just education and outreach of, you know, prevention materials, um, going out and talking, um, like doing uh, QPR, which is uh, question, persuade, and, and refer. So, um, you know, a suicide uh, prevention model, um, you know, going out in the community, talking to, like, the fire department, doing that with them, um, just everything that, that we can do and that we can see just kind of on all levels. So, like I say, from, like, first responders down to other kids in the high school, you know, what can we do, who needs what resource, Um you know, suicide isn't always preventable, but most of the time it can be. Um, and so, you know, getting things to those who need it. Uh, Meryl was sunshine for a lot of people in their time of need. She was the one that was calling, checking in. I know you're having it rough and I just want to make sure you're okay. And, um, you know, the, the world lost a great asset that day. And, um, and we all can take a little bit of, of learning that we need to check in. You know, we need each other. We need to, um, you know, make those phone calls and, and lift people up 
be a voice for those who can't be a voice for themselves, you know, and that's kind of with, you know, having, uh, do it for Merrill and, and having prism in the school, like for the kiddos to be able to see that and, um, and have a, a sense of that there is caring there and that they have someone they can reach out to and, and talk to. Um, is there, um, let's see, is there therapy for the children in school dealing with bullying and how to deal with being bullied? bullied? Um, I don't know beyond, you know, going to like the school counselor and, and things like that. If they have like an anti-bullying, I think right now on top of everything else because of COVID, I feel like schools are drowning. Yeah. Um, not having enough staff, not, you know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine having a, uh, you know, a class of children that just went through a, you know, pandemic and a lockdown that are now going back to public school, you know, more anxious, depressed, worried than they were two years ago. And then on top of that, don't have staff, you know. And they're just trying, I think, to get through it. Um, I don't know. I don't know about as far as, like, what they've been able to even have at the school. Um, I, I asked you had said that suicide is not one linear cause. It's always a whole bunch of things. And I see here there's a lot of it bullying being one of them mm-hmm. or standing up for yourself. What would you tell someone who's scared to stand up for themselves now? I think that there is value in um, having your voice, but I also um, try to make it very real to everyone that they have to have their people. Mm-hmm. So it may not be your time, depending on the situation, right? Um to you know and if you can and if if you're able to stand firm in who you are and speak out you know there's always that huge value in um in your rocks like I always talk about um you know identified rocks in your life like you need those those identified people um so those those supports that have your back when you do have a downtime and you can't right because you can't always be like a hundred percent you know, and you have to fall back on, on those people. So I think that's really important to teach kids the importance in that. And that's, that's kind of, I think in some ways we are so connected and then in some ways children aren't connected at all in some ways with like social media and and things like that. You know, I, I think we've lost that art of the importance of people. I actual. agree. The interpersonal communication yeah. and the eye contact that now children, number one, don't know how to do and are also scared. Scared of. Scared of. Yeah. Super scared of. Now it's become a thing in my profession. Obviously, we talk about media and what's going on. So I talk about this type of stuff all day long. And, you know, we try to make light of everything. My job is to entertain. But I think underlying it is a simmering a bubbling maybe explosion at some point of people not under people not knowing how to communicate at all anymore and it creates 
a wave of different emotions and scenarios that I feel like could be easily avoided if somebody made one phone call, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody looked at some one person in the eye <laughs> and said one sentence of, I'm sorry, let's, can we do this again? But instead, like, so much is at stake. And we make fun of it, and this seems to be mainstream now. But at the same time, it's like, people don't know how to do anything. Like, we'll, we'll joke on my show often of how, like, dating. I am single, and I'm dating, and... So we talk about my dating life all the time. And I like go on these Bumble dates, whatever. But then I sometimes go on dates with guys that are younger. And they're like, oh, no, they don't want to They don't want to talk on the phone. Because they will stay on their profile. <laughs> Text, not call, never. And now it's a thing that kids are like, I don't actually pick up the phone. We don't talk on the phone. Yeah. Like, why, what, why, why not? Mm-hmm. And it's so like, they can't. easy to be misunderstood. And, mm-hmm. and not only you read this message that you misunderstood... Oh, and then you sit there and simmer on it, and you oh, spin yeah. you spin an entirely different tale mm-hmm. in in your head. And I mean, they can misunderstand okay and create an entire story behind those two letters. Yeah. And it it's like take take a second to talk to them. I know. Talk to someone when you don't have the skills or the tools, and you're young anyway, and don't know yeah what to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us more about um, Do It For Meryl and Course for Change is coming up on July 30th. Yes. <laughs> which is how we all came to meet, which, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, Do It For Meryl is partnering with um, the Drug Prevention uh, Coalition in, in Owen County to bring an event to the community that is really just celebratory. Um, I know with the PRISM kiddos, when talking to them, you know, what do we need here for youth? And, um, you know, it is a, it is a rural area. There's not a whole lot of activities for, for kids to do. And, you know, there is such value in bringing a community together. Like I said, just in that celebratory manner, um, for, you know, the kiddos in, in PRISM, to be able to celebrate that day, having that camaraderie and connection, like that's prevention. Mm-hmm. That's suicide prevention. If we can create, you know, opportunities for people to come together and laugh and, you know, jam to music and just have that feeling, right? That's suicide prevention at its like core mm-hmm. is connection. Connection is such a powerful tool that um you know people underestimate every single day and i think we get too far from it um and so they're super excited uh like i say you know anything they're like woo color and let's add some glitter like whatever we gotta do like this is the best thing you know and and that's really you know it just just having laughs and music and you know on another piece of it i mean that's meryl yeah. You know, laughter and music and just cutting up and being colorful and not caring and just walking in and being like, it's me. This mm-hmm. is me, you know, and we're going to laugh and celebrate it today. So I'm super excited. The kids are excited. Um, I hope that, uh, you know, it's a good turnout for the community for them to like actually see it. Because that's the other piece, too, that I feel, you know, people don't um, 
there's a there's a quote that you know it's hard to hate up close and there's yeah 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 so if you actually get close enough yeah you know and and have communication and talk to someone man it gets harder to hate them and uh misunderstand or fear them so i'm hoping that that in itself calms it it gives people some clarity and then calms them you know um i think that there is a lot of fear for people that don't know Mm -hmm. and um again i think there's multi-layered things there's so much you can get out of a community event oh for sure and if you want to defeat fear i would say power in numbers for sure Mm -hmm. to walk through it with somebody else always helps yes Yes. Sure. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. It's super, super powerful. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And what you guys are doing and making such a joyous, uh, I always say it's like starting a movement in your community that's going to affect so many people. It's really, really beautiful. So... Thank we, you so much. We want the kids there to know that they are loved mm-hmm. and that they are seen and supported. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. No, I ramble a lot. What do you want? To- <laughs> Seriously, that you want me to talk about? So great. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry. I really am so sorry for your loss. This is just it's so, so terrifying. It's so sad. I'm so sorry. It is. And that's like, you know, you had mentioned the multi layers of LGBTQ and, you know, just acceptance and suicide prevention and all of that is suicide prevention. Yeah. And it's like getting people to realize, like, what your politics are doing, what your, you know, fear is doing. Because I feel like I've been um, fighting for this and advocate for so long, and you're the first people that I've met who've had a, who've been in this situation that you and who've had um, a child take their life due to this. And I feel like this is what we've been, like, fighting this whole time. Or what I've been so uh, open about it for so long. One of the things that I know Rachelle and I have talked about is they, um, around the time that Merrill died, another child, Anderson area, um, died by suicide. And, um, you know, it was on the news because, well, there was nothing wrong with him. There was no reason for him. He was an athlete and popular. And it's like, so it's just like children like Merrill, it's just accepted. You know, it's just overlooked because, well, obviously she has issues. This isn't the suicide that should be worried about, it seems. Yeah, I think surrounding, I think it was, like, more on my radar, too. So after her passing, yeah, like, there was another piece that I immediately, after she passed, I there was, like, who can I talk to? I, I need to, like, you know, get a voice in this for her. And there was some fear there um, because I think that there were – you know, lots of children taking their lives at that time. And I was worried about who to talk to because I didn't want them to use the situation for a platform for something that didn't speak to who she was. Um, and so as I was kind of being really vigilant and, and reading things, those stories that made the news that people talked about, it was very much like 
this kid has no history of, of having any depression or mental illness. And I'm like, what? Like, okay, well, lots of kids do. And why is that not being talked about? Why does, yeah, like it's almost like, yeah, we don't really want to talk about yeah. those stories. Like yeah, that. the stories that are, are hard Which is to hard. look yeah. at. and Yeah. See, there's just another layer mm-hmm. to it that I didn't even think about. Yeah. I didn't think about it at all. God. Mm-hmm. And how do you... Yeah. It's it's been so much stuff like I say but it's we are also like interconnected and you know how is it how how is it becoming like staying a mom afterwards like I mean I'm not a mom but if I'm having a bad day things in my world suck I'm like I don't need to be there for anybody else I don't take the dog on a walk right you know? right and our family's blended so it's not like we could just be like Oh, call up John to take the kids. Actually, John would take all the yes. kids. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> there's still, no matter what, there's still some kids in the house. It's, yeah. um, well, on your personal journeys, how, I mean, we are all cap- way more capable than we think. How do you guys dig deep to continue on sometimes? Honestly, for me, a big part is the kids. Like, yeah. You have to be there for them. Like, they matter and they still deserve 100% of us. But also finding the balance of showing vulnerability, which has not always been my strength. Um, (laughs) um, But, you know, letting them know it's okay to hurt and, you know, they can see that too. But that we're still there for them. Yeah, I think that's a that's for both of us the biggest you know get out of bed every day you know we can do it do you have um i would think that have like freak outs like i i would be worried that i would just lose my shit in front of the kids and like set a bad example or something does this happen is that part of life obviously everyone's different Mm -hmm. you know everyone's individual uh so for me I know for a long time and and still sometimes now I like if I yell for one of the kids and they don't answer and I don't see them right away or I can't find them I will freak out and I know I've yelled at a couple of the kids that was not called for because just of my panic of no I need to know where you are I need to you need to answer me you can't not answer when I call for you yeah or, um, you know, for a long time, opening the bedroom door in the morning to wake them up. I couldn't do it. Um, so I'd just sit outside the door and yell and wait. So I think we've all had our moments. It's kind of like, okay, Rochelle's, it's Rochelle's time. <laughs> Here she goes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think that, you know, we've been pretty honest through the whole thing with each other. And that's, that's huge because meeting each other middle, you know, middle age and being very like forthright, like this is who I am and this is what, (laughs) how I function and this is what you should expect. Like I was very forthcoming and, and really honest pretty much. And so, um, 
and still being like that. So being very much like, hey, here, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Or the fact that I'm feeling this way, so I'm not going to talk at all, which is my thing. And she's like, like you hey, can't do that. Hey, hey. <laughs> you had a thought. We have to discuss it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm the same. I'm an emotional over-communicator. Right? A it pushes a lot of people away. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> mm, like no, but it all, it all means well. Not to over-explain why I pushed you away. Because I understand, but you don't. But it's like, fine, if I get it. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would think that this is a true testament. Your guys' relationship has got to be like... So solid. I don't want to get in your personal biz mm-hmm. e- even more than I already have. <laughs> I would think that, like, I mean, it's probably, I'm, I'm sure it's, um, suicide makes or breaks a lot of couples oh, and yeah. families. Yes. yes. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, you know, we were married late 2019, mm-hmm. September 2019. Wow. And mm-hmm. so, and then, you know, fall right into pandemic and then, losing Meryl and just it um I definitely think many couples would not have made it through what we've been through and and still just be able to find the laughter with each other and and I think that's key yeah (laughs) we probably laugh about things we shouldn't yeah but you know it's fine it's all good that's how how we do it and I you know and and that's really you know, like she said, you know, getting married and then, you know, pandemic. And I mean, our lives are challenging already. Yeah. With all of them, um, you know, we we have a very interesting, eclectic household of children mm. that have some are very more high needs than others and yeah. uh, require a great deal of patience, understanding in general. And then, um, you know, losing Meryl and then trying to grapple grief and guilt mm-hmm. and um and then trying to get all of the kids to be keep them safe and yes. okay because we definitely had a great deal of um of suffering for you know several of the kids it was a really rough emotional year for them you know definitely had some you know mental health serious mental health worries for for a few of the siblings and um so having to navigate that like you're already you know fearful yeah high fear level of you know what's gonna happen uh and then you know still having the pandemic go on uh i lost my mom six months after meryl passed away and um and just it was a rough it was a rough year in general so a lot of loss for for the whole family really i'm so sorry but somehow here we are here we are we persevere that's why i tell the kids like here we are you know (laughs) we're like you know okay guys it's time to go to bed well, if you don't go to sleep right away, no, that 30 minutes, 45 <laughs> minutes when you all go to your rooms and, you know, we go to our room and just sit there and look at each other and breathe. And yeah. here we go. And we, you know, it's important. Mm-hmm. It important is. It, it's like make or break time. Yeah. It, yeah. And we have to have that. And I think that's probably been the other saving grace is knowing that we always have that spot carved out 
yeah. for us, as crazy as the day is, as many directions as we run or fires we put out or yeah. Yeah. things we celebrate, you know, at the end of the day, we get to sit there and just look at each other and and oh, breathe. Oh, really beautiful. I, I know. Yeah. I'm amazing. She's, I, I say, we actually, when we first started dating, we went like on the first outing with all the kids to, um, it was like a trampoline park. And they were like, like this and she she like comes over and like puts her hands like like this and she's like just look at me <laughs> it's just us right now <laughs> and they're just like running circles and hitting each other and they're like ah! and so it's kind of like that every night yes, it's just it like is. we gotta have that look at me that moment and you know it, it Ray Lynn complains all the time she's like in the bedroom next to us and she's like Oh my gosh, you guys like just cracking up laughing, just scream laughing. <laughs> and I was like, we have to make fun of you. That's how we survive every oh, yeah. single day. We are the most sarcastic household. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Good. I think sometimes people probably be like, what did she just say to that kid? That was love. That's what we said. It's love. It's love. <laughs> 